here today. The Lord is in this place. Amen. He is working. He is moving. He's revealing his glory and he's changing us all in the process. You know, this weekend uh, was a special uh, time for Vertical as uh, Micah, our children's director, she hosted an event for young girls. And we had 25 young girls and their moms here this uh, past Friday night. And then the girls came back Saturday and they learned about God's plan for them as fine china. That was the theme for the event. So I'm just so grateful that um, uh, every one of our ministries is involved in the work of helping people know the reality of Jesus Christ in their life today. Amen. How to walk in that and that we're having that impact into some young women today. Uh, boy, it's needed today. It's always been needed, but today above all days to have the voice of the church speaking truth uh, into young, the younger generation is essential. Uh, one of the things that <clears throat> Heather's dad, who was our pastor when we were uh, growing up, um, he told us as some information that was helpful for us as parents. He said, you know, this process of parenting, <clears throat> you're not raising children you're raising adults. And if you get those two things reversed, you'll get confused in the process and get frustrated along the way. You are raising adults. It's just like if you have a, a, a garden and if someone said, hey, what are you growing there? You'd say, well, I'm growing some black-eyed peas, I'm growing some watermelon, and I'm growing some squash. And they'd say, Awesome because you would tell them the end result of what you're growing, not the beginning result. You wouldn't say, well, I'm growing some seeds. I'm growing some sprouts. I'm growing some leaves. No, you would tell them what the end goal is. That's what you're growing. And that's what we do in parenting. You keep that in mind. I am raising adults. And so all the training is toward that end. You speak to them as that. You relate to them as that. I know there's a time for some, you know, goo-goo-ga-ga talk, but Heather and I, we didn't do much of that stuff. As soon as they were able to look us in the face and figure out that's us right there, we started talking to them like they were adults because that's what I wanted them to be. I didn't want them to be 20 and still saying goo-goo-ga-ga to me, right? So you, you relate to them as adults and you treat them as adults and they move up into that process. The work that God is doing in us as his children, look here, he is raising spiritual adults. He is raising the mature version of what we are to be. Don't stay in your spiritual immaturity spot as a child in the faith. Grow up. Don't be a baby in the faith anymore. This is what Jesus came for is to not just redeem you so that you could stay a spiritual infant, but so that you might grow up into him, into the fullness of who he is and experience the life that he has for us. This is why he said, here's the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all of your, all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of it, every bit of it, to grow up into that, to mature into that, to recognize who he is and recognize who he is in you, who you are in him and grow up in that and change, mature in the process along the way. This is what the apostle Paul taught in the New Testament. Ephesians 4, 13 says, 
till we all come to the unity or oneness of the faith and the knowledge of this son of God to a perfect man, a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Just, I just want to just pause for a moment and take that in. God chose us sinners to be redeemed and then shape us to look, think, behave, enjoy the blessings of Jesus, to be just like him, to be seated with him in heavenly places and enjoy all of the privileges that the son has. It's true. To grow up in all things, who is the head? Uh, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, that we might grow up into all things. This is what he's called us to. And it is, it's always been imperative, but right now at this time in our nation, with what is happening in the world, in the culture, when there are so many voices that are speaking loudly, it is imperative that you and I not be infants, that we not buy into that message. What makes it tricky is they are using terms that are like our terms. And they sound like us. But I promise you, they are nothing like us. So in that vein, tonight we're hosting an event here in this room at 6 p.m. I'm going to be showing a video by Vody Bauckham as he talks about the difference between biblical justice and social justice. Those are two very different things. He's a very intellectual, studied believer and I love how he speaks. I love what he has to say. He's written a book recently called Fault Lines, The Social Justice Movement and Evangelicalism's Looming Catastrophe. Pretty alarming, pretty informative book. The video tonight, he speaks on much of what he has in the book that we're gonna look at, but he'll deal with the definition of terms, things like critical theory, critical race theory, intersectionality, um, white privilege, all of those kind of things that are you hear in the media and the world today, social equity, uh, all of those things that we must understand as believers because what they are saying is not what we believe. Don't be duped by it. Don't be an infant who buys into it. Don't be tossed about by all that is happening today. It's time to grow up in our faith, become aware of what scripture says and walk as mature believers in this day. Amen, those who speak the truth. So that's tonight, 6 p.m. I hope you'll be here for that. Uh, we're not doing a childcare. Um, I'm not gonna have an open floor discussion about this. It's pretty much one way, watch the video. I'll probably talk a little bit. Uh, I'll encourage you to talk afterwards, but you don't have to fear that you're going to sit at some, you know, around some other people and get in some very awkward conversations with people. That's just not going to happen tonight. If you get an awkward conversations, that's on you. So, <clears throat> so uh, but this is part of spiritual adulting. This is growing up in the faith and saying, you know what? Uh, the Bible has everything to say about my life now. I want to know it because I don't want to be a child tossed about. Amen? All right, so on to our series, Spiritual Adulting. 
we've been looking at what it means to grow up into Christ and be an adult. Uh, it's a term that's used today, adulting, and we've been using it as a spiritual, uh, from a spiritual perspective, spiritual adulting. I'm assuming the responsibilities as an adult, a spiritual adult. I'm growing up in Christ, owning my faith, owning my responsibility, owning what he has called me to, to believe by faith. And the truth is that God is passionate about this process. He's trying to spiritual adult you. That's what he's doing. He's adulting you. He's raising adults, spiritual adults. And so he is faithful. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit within, but he is also actively arranging every event in your life toward the end of you becoming an adult. Every event. There's nothing in your life that has not been part of what he is going to use to grow you up in him. When you recognize that, it'll change the way you see life. So every blessing that comes your way, it's part of the process of you being conformed to the very image of Christ. Every person in your life is part of the process. Every amount of abundance that you have, every amount of need that you have, every struggle that you face, every word that someone says to you, every interaction on the highway, Amen. Every time that someone disappoints you, every time that someone hurts you, every time that someone does something to you that you didn't like, every one of those moments is used by God to help shape you and grow you up into the image of Christ. And sometimes in the process, he uses discipline. Mm. Now this is where it gets just a little uncomfortable, but that's pretty common here at Vertical, right? We're going to go into some uncomfortable areas because that's what God does. You, if you're going to go from immature to adult, you're going to have to go through some areas that might be just a little bit uncomfortable. So we're okay with all of that here, amen? Yep, so uh, adulting involves discipline. There's times that God will bring pain, difficulty, awkwardness, challenge, struggle, into our life to help conform us, to shape us, to change us. And it's important that we know how to respond to that. Because if you've ever had a child, been around a child, you know that children have to be taught how to respond to discipline, right? They do. Not only do you have to discipline them, but you have to teach them how to respond to discipline. Because children don't automatically say, oh, yes, ma'am, I've learned the lesson. I will always pick up my room from here on out, you know? Oh, yes, sir, I will always tell the truth, never to lie again. No, children have to be taught how to respond to discipline because normally if you say, uh, let's not do that, why, I wanna do that, Ugh. right? That's a nat very natural response for a child, right? A child likes to vent, pout, stomp their feet, you know, lash out at you, yell, demand their way. Those are all things that children like to do. That's their default response to discipline. And that you have to train them to not do. Amen? You can't just let that stuff go on. You can't just let you know, stomping and lashing out and yelling and saying no and all that kind of stuff. You just can't let that go on. Part of the process is teaching them to say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and to do the thing that you've asked them to do with a right heart attitude. This is part of the parenting process. This is what we do as parents, Christian parents. 
because what we are teaching them as children in our homes is only preparation for how they're going to relate to God in their life. So when he speaks to them, even if it's a corrective that they know, the right response is to say, yes, sir, and do it with a right heart attitude. Not stomp your feet, not yell, not pitch a fit, not run away, not pout, not do any of those things, but to respond rightly even to discipline. So in this process of adulting, spiritual adulting, we have to recognize that God does that in our life. He will at times bring things into our life to help shape us, change us, correct us. And it's important that we learn not to lash out, not to get angry, not to despair, not to pout, but to accept what he has to say to me. Now, like Caleb mentioned earlier, this has to put us in the right posture. I have to be in the right place and say, God, you are God, I am not. Amen? You know the truth, I only know what you tell me. You love me, I will do what you say. You are in control of all things, I am not. You are sovereign, I am not. You know all things, I do not. Therefore, you deserve the worship, I do not. Amen? You put yourself in the right posture, and you recognize that for your sin, he sent his son, that he might become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Therefore, he made a way for me to, right, to be righteous, I did not. He made a way for me to be clean, I did not. He made a way for me to be declared holy. I did not. He made a way for me to be accepted. I did not. This puts yourself in the right posture. And because of this salvation we have that declares me clean by faith, I then say, now, Lord, I want to be shaped by you. I want to have my mind renewed by you. I want to have my will conformed to you. I want to learn to think like you, feel like you do, do what you do. This is the process of maturity, and this is what God uses in the form of discipline in our life. So our message title today is this. Let's be an adult about discipline from God. Amen? Let's grow up in this a little bit. Let's be an adult about it. Let's not be immature when God wants to shape and correct us. Amen? Amen. We all on the same page together this morning? Yes. Yeah? All right. All right. So <clears throat> before we get started, I, I need to tell you two things. And these two things are probably going to be the hardest part of this message. The rest will be confirming, but these next two things, I think, will be some of the most challenging truth for us to take in. But if you'll take it in... They will change your perspective on God's work in your life. So I know that when it comes to discipline, we all have a, a perspective kind of built in. We all have a, a definition kind of built in because we've been disciplined at some point in our lives. You had parents who disciplined you. You had teachers. You had authorities. And they would probably say they were just doing what they knew how to do. But they would probably even tell you they didn't do it right every time. If you've ever disciplined your child in anger, 
you know you wished you hadn't have done that. That's me. I've done that. I, in fact, I have very specific memories of times I got angry and said and did things I wished I had not ever done with my kids. I can remember some nights when all five were living at home and it was bedtime. The kids say this was as early as 7. I say there's no way. It was more like 9.30 or 10.30 when this was going on. Heather will back me up on this. The kids won't. And I, they would just be wound up. You know, they're talking and playing and we're saying, go to bed. And they're just, you know, laughing. And you, you, know the, you know how that goes. You know, there's five in our house at the time. And it just, it just seemed like it would never stop. And I remember just kind of losing it and going into the living room. And we had some metal chairs. And I grabbed that metal chair. And I come into my bedroom, which was across from their bedrooms. And I put that metal chair down. I said, I'm going to sit right here and make sure you be quiet. They jumped in their beds and didn't move a muscle until I got up and walked away. And then they moved all kinds of muscles after that. But I remember I, I got so angry in that moment because they were taking up my precious sleep time, right? It was offending me. And so sometimes we as parents don't always get it right. Amen. And we have a, we go about discipline the wrong way. Our way of discipline has to look like what God does. Amen? So here's kind of this first big point today that I think is going to be a challenge for us. And, and let me just say this. this. Let me go back one slide. Look at the bottom. A message for those who believe and follow Jesus. That's important this morning. It's important. What we're going to talk about today is for those who have bowed their heart and knee to Jesus Christ. If you've not taken that step, what I'm going to tell you today does not apply to you. I'll, I'll have something I'll say to those who have not yet, and I want to be as compassionate and understanding as I can for them. But what we are going to talk about is a message only for those who have come to Jesus Christ. So here it is. The first, discipline is not punishment for sin. This is important. You might think the term discipline and punishment are the same thing. They're not. Discipline is from the same word of disciple, to teach, to encourage, to exhort, to counsel, to move forward, more concerned with what is ahead than what is behind. Amen? Because see, here's what happened. At the cross, Jesus took the punishment for sin. All sin, your sin, everything that separated you from God, everything that you had done that defiled your conscience, that defied authority, every bit of that, Jesus took upon himself that day and he became the payment for it. Isaiah says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Mm. The purpose of the cross was to remove punishment. He took the punishment. You see, punishment is different than discipline. Punishment says, 
You've been bad and here are the consequences that come into your life. Here is what you've done wrong and now you're going to pay for it. And in regards to sin, you're going to pay for it forever and ever. Punishment. Punishment has no redemption to it. Punishment has no future to it. Punishment is concerned with what has been done. Discipline is concerned with what is to come. Amen? Those are two very different things. There are times that God will bring some difficulty into your life as a believer where he will discipline you, where he will correct you. But know this, and know this with certainty. He did not bring that trouble, trial, or struggle to your life as punishment for your sin. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's the truth. And we've got to walk in that or you're going to miss this whole thing about discipline. Because there's usually this kind of stigmatism about discipline. Nobody wants to say, I'm being disciplined by God right now. Nobody wants to say that because if you say that, you're admitting that there's a problem. There's something wrong with me and I'm walking in disobedience and, and discipline is this bad thing many people believe. That's because they have linked discipline with punishment and they assume that God is still forever punishing them for their past. That God is still laying on them heavy guilt. That God is making their life miserable because of all they did in the past. When you came to Jesus Christ, put your faith in him, receive that grace by faith, you were set free from all condemnation. It's important we understand that. We gotta nail this one down before we can move on any further. But here's the second part that's like it. Discipline is for maturing in Christ. Very different. Discipline in the form of struggle, trial, challenge that comes our way, hardship, whatever it might be. God uses that not to make you pay, but to make you be prepared for what is ahead. It's preparation. It's shaping. So I hope you can just kind of take a deep breath and... Relax a moment. Just breathe. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God is for you, not against you. God is with you, not separated from you. And God is working all things together for his glory and your good. Amen? So just take that in. Breathe that in right now. Let's do away with thinking, discipline, is bad. Discipline is permanent. And let's respond rightly now to discipline. Amen? Amen. All right. So our passage today is Hebrews 12, one of the classic passages in Scripture that deals with the subject of discipline. And I want to move through this. Um, it's a lengthy passage. There's a lot happening. Don't mistake my pressing through the passage as ignoring some deeper truths that are there. I just know we can't stay here all week long to deal with it. So we are in verse 3, and it's written to a group of people who were undergoing some struggles. They are believers, 
but they are Jewish believers. They've been a part of the community that keeps the law as the way towards salvation. And here was a group that inside the Jewish community believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, and they were surrendering their lives to him. And they weren't going to offer the sacrifices that they once offered. They weren't participating in some of the rituals and laws that they once did because they said, it's all been fulfilled in Jesus. We're free. And that was causing them to face some reaction. That was causing them to face some rejection. Life was becoming painful because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever known anybody whose life became more difficult because they put their faith in Jesus Christ? That's us today. Verse 3 is where he begins with some instruction to help them in the midst of all their struggle. And he says this, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Now, here's what I have just been just reveling in this week. In a passage about discipline, the writer of Hebrews says, here is your lead example on how to deal with discipline. And who does he use? Jesus. Now, if your mind is working this morning, you're thinking, Jesus was disciplined? I thought Jesus never sinned. You see, there you go again. You and I tend to think all discipline has to do with sin and punishment. It doesn't. Discipline has to do with preparation, not condemnation. Just soak it in. It's true. Check the scriptures. That's why he says when you're going through your struggle, when you're in the midst of the pain, when God is trying to teach you, don't see it as condemnation. See it as preparation. Yes, there are times he calls us out of sin. But the discipline that he brings is not condemnation. It's preparation. He's trying to pull you out of that attitude, that action that you've been involved in, because he has greater things for you. It's very different. Not condemnation. It's preparation. And here Jesus was walking through life being prepared for something greater. One of the other verses that just is a, a constant stun for me is Hebrews 5.8. And there it says, Jesus learned obedience by the things which he suffered. There's so much about that verse. It's just like, what? The fact that Jesus learned. You mean there was, there was something Jesus didn't know? Exactly. He was a man like you and I. He was, he was like us. He was God, but he was us at the same time. Jesus learned obedience. He learned to do what the Father said, even though it was difficult, by the things which he suffered. So the Father said, uh, Jesus, I've got some things I want you to do. Uh, I want you to go in town today and talk to the Pharisees. It's going to be tough. Jesus goes in, the Gospel of Luke describes and he talks to the Pharisees and he describes what's going to happen with him and who he is and that they're going to reject him. And the, the things he has to say to them is so upsetting to them. They pick up stones and they chase him out of town and they're trying to push him off a cliff. It really happened. All of that was preparation 
for something bigger that the father had for Jesus because he would ultimately be rejected by his own and go to a cross. So when you're struggling, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. It's easy to have happen whenever we're going through some struggle and trial. Is that stunning to anybody but me? Am I just now new coming to the table here that, that uh, Jesus learned obedience by the things which he suffered and that discipline is not just condemnation, but discipline is part of preparation? Amen? Amen. Our point, maturity turns to see Jesus in discipline. If you're going to grow up in the faith, what you do is the minute you start going through the struggle, the trial, the heartache, the loss, the, the, the tension, whatever it is that's coming to your life, and you say, God, is there something trying to teach me? In that moment, look at Jesus. Look at him. Don't despair. Don't be discouraged. Don't stomp your foot. Don't complain. Don't pitch a fit. Don't be immature. Be mature. The Father has me in his hands just like he did Jesus. The Father loves me in his hands just like he did Jesus. The Father has a purpose in my suffering just like he did for Jesus. There's reward after the suffering just like there was for Jesus. Let's go on in the passage and the writer goes, writes on to these people and he says, you've not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. He says, you're getting all upset. You're, you're forgetting some things in your challenge and your struggle. He says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. These are the two things that we typically fall into one of the camps of. He says, don't despise now, this is a word that means to think lightly of, to think, eh, I know these, uh, there's a whole series of challenging things coming into my life, but eh, it probably doesn't mean anything. It's probably just random. Eh. Mm. Don't think lightly the chastening of the Lord. Don't dismiss it. Don't count it as, well, just a random series of events. I mean, my boss is whacked. Those people on the highway are crazy. And my wife, I'm not going to say anything about her. You know, that kind of stuff. That's usually what happens. We dismiss, I'm not saying anything against Heather. That's what we do. We dismiss it and blame it on other people. Look, if there's some events going on in your life, they've been designed by God for your life. It's time to stop and check it out. God, what do you have to say to me? Don't dismiss it. Don't count it as nothing. It's time to seek the Lord and say, God, what do you have to say to me about this? Because I'm not afraid of discipline anymore because discipline is not condemnation, it's preparation. I don't have to fear it, right? Amen. And he says, don't be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. Don't be so weighed down. Don't be so embarrassed by it as though discipline was the worst thing that could ever happen. Now, I remember in second grade, I'm sitting in the library at George Peabody Elementary in Oak Cliff. And my friend and I, yeah, had been, uh, we'd all been out to PE and we had managed to get some mud on our shoes. And so we're sitting in the library, the library is reading stories and we thought it would be fun to take some of that mud from our shoe. 
roll it up into a little ball and throw it at a girl. And we did. And the librarian saw us. And the librarian said, I want you to go see Mr. Wilder in the principal's office. She wrote a note and we headed down to see Mr. Wilder, terrified. Mr. Wilder was not there that day. Thank you, Lord. I kind of wish he was, because then I had a whole day to think about Mr. Wilder and what was going to happen. And I dreaded the rest of that day and the next day until someone finally came to the teacher's door and said, I have a note for Mr. Wilder. He needs to see two boys. This is our moment. So here we go. Down to see Mr. Wilder. We go into his office. He asks us, were you throwing mud? That little girl in the library? Yes, sir. All right, well, you know what that means. You're each going to get one lick today. So we sent that little boy out, told me to bend over. He reached into his closet, got out a wooden paddle. Pop! That hurt. It stung. Then the other boy got one, and we did all we could to not cry about this thing. And made it back. I never wanted to throw mud again in the library at a little girl. That was a very redemptive whipping that day. It was just one, but it was enough for me. God will sometimes bring correction in our life, and we shouldn't be discouraged by it. We shouldn't be overwhelmed by it. We shouldn't say, it's the worst. God's disciplining me. It's terrible. He's after me. He's been after me for decades. He's always after me, you know. That's why my life's so terrible because he's always after me. No, he's not after you to punish you. He's correcting you to prepare you. So don't get all twisted off about this thing, amen? Don't despise it and don't, re- don't, don't dis- get discouraged by it. Let's go on. Uh, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Mm. Discipline is actually a sign of how much you are loved. Discipline is actually a sign of who you belong to. Discipline is actually a reminder of his purpose for you. Because if he didn't have a purpose for your life, he'd just leave you alone. But he's doing something in you. He's crafting you. He's preparing you. He's got greater things for you. And to do so, he has to correct, discipline, shape, and prepare you for what's to come. So here's the reminder truth for us this morning. Maturity knows discipline is a sign of love. It's not a sign of rejection. It's a sign of affection. It's a sign that we belong to the family. If he's arranging every event of your life, that's love and acceptance. Amen? If he is concerned with the details of my life, that's love and acceptance. If he wants me to be like him, that's love and acceptance. And so we know anytime. We see stress, challenge, struggle, questions, uncertainty, or need come into our life. And God's trying to teach. It's a sign that we are loved. Let's go on in the passage. Verse 7. He says, if you endure chastening, 
God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Look at the first part of this verse. If you endure chastening. This is important. Because we've kind of moved past the idea that chastening is going to happen. That correction is going to happen. But here he says, here's the deal. If you endure it. If you go through it with a right attitude, if you go through it with a right response, if you don't stomp your feet, pitch a fit, you know, make a big old scene and, and reject what God's saying and dismiss it and get discouraged, if you don't do any of those things, but instead you say, yes, sir, I'll do what you asked me to do. If you endure it, God deals with you as with sons. Hmm. How does God deal with sons he welcomes them in he draws them close he blesses them he gives gifts to them he gives them more responsibility he who's been faithful little will be given much if you and I will walk through the corrective hand of God in our life with a right response what waits on the other side is blessings you have yet to experience. He's waiting there to bless you. It's kind of like in the, uh, the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son goes away. He responds wrongly at first to his father and even the corrective hand of God in his life. He goes out and life just begins to fall apart on him. He loses everything he has and he, just end up, he ends up having to just be a servant. He's eating just pig slop and it's terrible. But he finally says, okay, God, I'll respond rightly. And he goes home. What does the father do when he comes back? Father says, hey, we're about to have a big old barbecue. Get the calf, kill it. Here we go. Cook it. Let's go. Bring out the fine clothes. Bring out my ring and get ready. We're going to celebrate because my son has come home. Amen? This is what a father does with a son who endures chastening, who responds rightly to chastening. He blesses. He gives more reward. He gives more affection. He gives more closeness. He gives more responsibility. So our next point this morning is this. Maturity enjoys less discipline, hello, and more reward. It's okay to grow up in the faith and not walk under the paddle of God all the time. Amen? Is this hard to take in right here? Look, I'm not saying he won't discipline you as you walk with him, but praise God, as you walk with him, the longer you walk with him, there ought to be less of that stuff. Hello? If you're becoming more and more like Christ, you have less and less of that kind of discipline in your life. You learn some things along the way and you stop having to be paddled. Hello? My kids are all married now. Praise God. They are all, ooh, I'm telling you, waiting for God to answer that prayer to provide all the right people just for them at the right time. Woo! He did. When they come to my house now, I don't say, get back out there and take them shoes off. You know it. You don't bring those shoes in. No, stop that. Don't put that coffee cup on that thing. Get in there and empty the dishwasher. Get over there and clean that. I don't do that anymore. I shouldn't have ever done that to begin with, but look, my kids have grown. They've matured. 
They're responsible. I don't discipline them anymore because that's not my role in their life. As you mature in Jesus Christ, yes, there's going to be some things he's going to do to prepare you for the next step, the next stage along the way. But there, you should be enjoying a new level of maturity with him and closeness with him, wisdom from him that says, let's sit down together, Father. I want to hear, I want to hear what you have to say to me. And he tells you, and you say, I'll do it. He doesn't have to keep bringing discipline to get you in the right place. Amen? This is what maturity does. Maturity grows up in that stuff. You don't want your 25-year-old child still stomping his feet and not paying his bills and pitching fits and doing all that kind of stuff. Amen? Maybe you do. I don't know. I didn't didn't want that. So uh, maturity enjoys less discipline and more reward in life from God. It goes on in verse 8 and he says, but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Ooh, that just stings a little bit. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit Hmm. that we may be partakers of his holiness you see there it is again discipline is not for condemnation discipline is for preparation what a stunning move of grace God wants us to profit in knowing him Profit in his wisdom, profit in his love, and partake of his holiness, the unholy, knowing holiness, the sinner, knowing righteousness. Man, he wants us to experience him, and he calls us to change so that that can happen. He says, I've got so much more that I need for you to experience. I want you to experience. But there's some change that needs to come into your life first. You're going to need to change some things that you do, change some, say, some ways that you think, and change this whole thing about acting on what you feel instead of what I say to, for you to do in faith. Amen? I'm going to need you to not pitch fits because you got your feelings hurt. I'm going to need you to not be so reactive and acting off of your emotions. I'm going to need you to act off of my spirit. And the Father starts teaching us all of these things, and he shows us his word. And if you will press into him, if you will learn from him, you will change. You will see some things happen in your life. You will not be who you were. In fact, maturity always causes change. It does. And and God help us if we as believers look and act and think and feel the same way we did a year ago, a month ago, last week, maybe even yesterday, maybe even 20 minutes ago, maybe even the last minute. 
God help us to never be stagnant spiritually, stale, dull, not any different than we were in the past because maturity always walks into a process of change. That's our next point here as we get down close to the end. Maturity changes as a result of discipline. Nothing more frustrating from a parent perspective than to talk to your child and them not change. Discipline your child and them not change and to do the same thing over and over and over again. Blessing comes to those who not just hear, but they do. They change. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Those who do. Those who change. So much more that God has for us, but it comes at the price tag of change. Now, we go on wrapping up the passage here. He says, now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Thank you, Scripture, for being honest with us. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields, it produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If you're responding rightly to discipline in your life, it does something. It causes peace. It causes fruit. It causes righteousness to come out, and we end up trained at the end of the deal. We come out better prepared. We look more like Christ. We don't go backwards in our faith. We can move forward because discipline is constantly moving us forward. And God will use whatever he must in that process. He'll use the people on the highway. He'll use a bill that comes in the mail. He'll use someone that says something offensive to you. He'll use your boss. He'll use your children. He'll use your spouse. He'll use all kinds of circumstances. He'll use sickness. He'll use all kinds of things to come into our life to help shape us into the image of Christ. Amen? And if he uses every one of them, you know what that means then, don't you? that there is actually nothing that can stop what God has planned. It actually means then, if he's going to use everything in your life for his purpose to shape you, then there's nothing, nothing that can come into your life that is going to stop what he's doing. Which means in Christ then, you are unstoppable. It really does. That means there's nothing that you can look at and say, well, this has really got me down. Well, really, this is going to stop me from really progressing any further. This is really going to set me back. No, no, hello. God is the orchestrator, designer of your life. Every event is planned by him, used by him for the purpose of shaping you into the very image of Christ. And if he's doing that to train us and to shape us, to produce fruit in us, then there's nothing that can stop you. Say, well, What about that guy and the way he acted toward me on the highway? I mean, he even ran into my car and ran off. There's nothing that can stop you from being conformed to the image of Christ except your unwillingness to accept it. Here's our last point today. Maturity knows discipline makes you unstoppable. It really does. It makes you invincible. You think I'm just talking church talk this morning. I can tell it hadn't grabbed you yet. 
So let me just read a passage that will help with this a little bit. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with us freely give us all things? If he gave us his son, why would he not give us all things? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who's at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession or prayer for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, famine, pandemics, nakedness, peril, sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of those things only actually conform you to look more like Christ. So you can say, you want to offend me? Come on, go ahead, say what you want. You want to take something from me? Go ahead, help yourself. God actually uses it to conform me to be more like Christ. You want to insult me? Go ahead. You want to say something against my family? Uh, well, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Because God will use that in my life as well to conform me to the image of Christ, amen? You got something against me, enemy? Help yourself because God is my father. God arranges the events of my life and he'll use even that to conform me to the image of Christ, amen? You see, when you take this in, it will make you unstoppable when you stop thinking that discipline is condemnation, but instead it's preparation. Bring it on, whatever it is, I'll take it because it's conforming me to the image of Christ. Amen? It's true. It's true. This is growing up in the faith. Now, I said this whole message so far is for believers. Let me say one thing here this morning. If you are an unbeliever, if you've not yet come to the place of putting your faith in Jesus Christ, believing that he came to free you from the weight, the guilt, the shame, so that you could know life, if you are not a believer, you are under punishment. I recognize that's not good news. But before I can tell you the good news, you've got to know the bad news. And if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you already know this because you feel it. You're weighed down with it. You're not sleeping at night like you want. Your life is not what you hoped. The tension, the frustration, the guilt, the darkness is more than you can bear. And what Jesus said is true. You know it. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son does not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You're feeling it. It's weighing on you. And it's more than you can bear. That's why you turn to other vices to cover it. That's why you turn to other things to hopefully satisfy you because it's not. It's not working. 
the good news is Jesus Christ came for sinners. And he did not come to condemn, but instead to save. And he says, all who will come to me will find life. If you'll repent of your sin, if you'll believe in me, you will have life and have life abundant. And he says, I don't ask you to come and now start being religious. I ask you to come and receive this by faith. This is the first step in birth, spiritual birth. So if that's you today, with all the compassion and desire I can urge you with, I'd say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today. You will be saved. He will remove the burden, the weight. You don't have to carry it any longer. If you've been saved, and maybe today for the first time, you're seeing discipline in a whole new light. You're seeing yourself no longer condemned, but being prepared. If he's pointing out a sin in your life, repent of that. Move on. If he's using the corrective circumstances in your life, say, Father, I welcome your hand that shapes me and grows me into the image of your son. I welcome it. This is where we are today. Would you bow your heads? Again, I'd say to you, if you are not a believer, this is your moment to pray. Say, God, I repent. I am a sinner. And I come to your throne to receive your grace by faith. Would you forgive me? And he says, yes. In fact, I'll make you my own. I'll make you part of my family. And I'll begin a work in you greater than you can imagine. If you've prayed that prayer today, just as a way of letting me know so I can pray for you, would you raise your hand and say, I have prayed to receive Christ today. I'm beginning that life today. I don't want to carry the weight anymore. I'm done. I'm through. I need new life in Christ. All right? Then as believers, let's thank God for his hand in our life. Father, I thank you that you were at work in our life to do something more glorious than we could imagine. We put ourselves in the posture of submitting, surrendering, that you might do what you want to do in us. We're thankful for your hand that corrects teaches and leads us and prepares us for greater glory with you. In Jesus' name we pray.